Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Hi everyone. It's good today because we have Andrew Jenkins with us now. My surname is also Jenkins, but we are not related that we know of. And I have only met Andrew relatively recently. So hello to you, Andrew. Nice to see you again. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, pleasure to have you. And I'm going to do a little bit of a bit of history, quick bit of history about you. So you started life as an engineer. Yeah. mechanical as i understand it yeah construction yeah that's right construction All of stuff yeah. so you got a bit disheartened by that mm. so in the 90s you completed an mse in management of it oh my goodness that's <laughs> that sounds like an enormous venture it does it was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i gave up work and everything for it and people thought i was crazy you know they right. um, my, my boss and my engineering boss said now look let me give you a little bit of advice here this is not what we do you know you've got a career here you've done really well you've got to management level at 28 you've done well so just leave it like that you know you don't need to do anything else well i had other plans <laughs> yeah and you went after them which is fantastic and you continue to do do that so yeah. then you uh, got headhunted by the VCs 3i that's right yeah and did lots of things there globally yeah. I think you were working on all over the place with with 3i yeah first exposure to high performing teams leading them it's a fantastic thing. Ah, okay yeah. <clears throat> and now fast forward to today you take that experience and you consult globally and yeah. help you help business to create high performing teams, which is much needed in the world today. Mm-hmm. So it's a very important topic. And we're going to be hearing lots about that. And you're linking coaching and soft skills. That's right. And you do that to make a difference in a company that they just didn't really perceive to be possible. So that's intriguing. We're going to take a dive into that. Yeah, no problem. I'm just very briefly on soft skills. You know, I've been banging the drum on soft skills, emotional intelligence and high performing teamwork for, well, since 2003, since I set up that startup, PDX. And, um, you know, I remember people saying to me, like, get out of here. You know, look, we're we're still stuck at hard skill level. You know, there's no way this soft, fluffy stuff's going to get anywhere near our organisations, particularly for engineers, actually. Um, The IT world, we're, we're embracing a little bit of this. But I was way ahead of my time. You know, and it's interesting, it took a pandemic to get to the point where we kind of go oh, you know what the real the only thing left for us to invent really is the people processes because we've got every other business process the bit we're not very good at is the people piece and we, we you know we pay lip service to that and we've got all these tick boxing exercises that we do but um you know we don't really know how to do that well and um you know da-da, hence comes in soft skills emotional intelligence high performing teamwork it's all linked growth mindset all of those things Fantastic. And you have your own business and that's what yeah. you, you do now, isn't it? You help, you help teams with that. Yeah. So I was recently on Andrew's Leaders Live show, which uh, was um, an amazing experience. Mm. I was talking about authenticity and leadership and 
Andrew is himself a very authentic leader. Man, I've just got on so well with him. It's it's a real privilege to know Andrew and to know you, Andrew. And I think what stands out for me is your knowledge about leadership and high-performing teams, your enthusiasm and your kindness. Thank you. That's so lovely. it's brilliant to reciprocate today and have you oh, as an time. expert leader uh, about leadership and high-performing teams on our podcast today. So let's crack on with it. I'm delighted um, to be here. Thanks, Andrew. The first question mm. is going to be, is what makes an outstanding leader? What does it, yeah. what does an outstanding leader look like to you? So qualities of a, of a good leader, I suppose, you know, and, yeah. and for me, this is, um, oh, there's lots of things, isn't there? But I think the three things that stand out for me here is, look, it's really important folks that, you know, you take responsibility. Now that sounds obvious, doesn't it? From a leadership perspective, but you know, it's, um, th there's a lot more to it. You know, it's not just about, Yes, the word responsibility, it just sounds like a no-brainer, doesn't it? And yet when you drill down to it, there's a little bit more there. You know, this is about allowing others to do things the way they want to, for example, taking, you know, having the responsibility to allow them to do that. Don't sort of micromanage. Um, don't control, you know, how people do outcomes. You know, agree what the outcome is and let them get on with it and how they do it is, is fine because they might even do it better than you. You never know. Um, and sure, you know, part of responsibility is also progress check, you know, checking with dates, etc. Delegate appropriately, you know, and actually even in delegation, these are obvious things, but people don't realise that when they delegate, they just think, well, they've washed their hands of it. No, you know, you take responsibility, it's still yours. You own it. You own the, the joint outcome for that to be successful. So take responsibility, do it properly. And when things go wrong, don't blame others. You're the leader. Be a big big person you know put your grown-up person pants on and um you know uh it, take take the blame you know I, I remember i was working with a team and um we had a very difficult person that we were dealing with and uh he rang me up one day and no one would take the call in my team they were all scared of him he was a german chap who was very frightening and he, he just said to me, look, are you all dead? <laughs> that was the first thing he said to me, because he'd been trying to get hold of us for ages. Anyway, we had quite a robust conversation. Didn't go very well for him or me. Anyway, the next thing I know, I'll get his boss on the line, who's quite a ferocious character. And I just said, OK, where, where are you? And he said, uh, well, I'm in Trinity Park. I said, well, funny enough, I'm in Trinity Park. What floor are you on? And he said, well, I'm on the third floor. I said, well, I'm on fourth floor. Can I come and see you? And he said, yeah, sure, come down and see me. So I walked into his office. The first thing I did was I put up my hand up and I said, you know, hi, Richard. Look, first thing first, it's all my fault. <laughs> so, so let's just get that out of the way. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I've been here for 20 odd years and you're the first person that's ever said that to me. Come and sit down. Let's have a conversation. And the more we talked, the more we realised it wasn't my fault at all. It was actually you know, this guy who had un unreasonable expectations of my team. And uh, he had a meaningful conversation back with the German chap who then changed the whole ballgame. So just goes to show, take responsibility, you know, and um, you know, take the blame and see where it goes. Um, I, mean, I think perhaps we have to add into that the ability yeah. to be able to communicate as well. Because if you hadn't taken that initiative, so one was initiative on you to say, let's have a conversation. Yeah. And then to talk it through. And isn't that the same for so many aspects of leadership? You've got to have those conversations. You've got to talk it, talk it through. You do. Yeah. And that's the responsibility piece. The other two I've got here on my list is look, accept feedback as a gift, folks. You know, it's really oh, important. 
you know, don't, and, and here's one that I'm still working on. Okay, so well, it's not the finished article here. Don't take it personally. Now, I say that to myself as well, because I do take feedback very personally, and it hurts. Um, but, you know, again, I know once I've processed it, you know, I can then start to deal with it. Um, so I'm still learning that one. But, you know, feedback, massively important. It's a huge gift. So um, breakfast of champions, they say, don't they? And yeah. the, la the last bit is develop and encourage, you know, and demonstrate, importantly, a growth mindset in action. Well, I'm a big fan of a growth mindset, but perhaps mm. you could just encapsulate it for us, for any of our listeners who may have heard a little bit about it, but not entirely sure what it is. How would you, could you put that into a couple of sentences for us, please, Andrew? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if we look at a fixed mindset um, as contrast, so fixed mindset, growth mindset, you know, these are like two dichotomies. You know, in, so, in, in one way of looking at this is, and when we're fixed mindset, we have fixed ideas. Um, we, we may believe, for example, that, um, you know, a skill uh, and talent is innate and things can't be developed. So you are who you are. Your intelligence is your intelligence and it's fixed um, from, from, in, from an early age. And, you know, you, you're either bright or you're not. That's the end of the story. Some people are bright, some people aren't. That's the way it is. That's the fixed mindset world. Um, certainly, um, if you take Carol Dweck's um, impression of fixed mindset, I take it a bit further. For me, mindset is fixed mindset is all about um, you're controlled more by your default um, autopilot behaviours and beliefs that hold you back. So limiting beliefs, I'm not good enough. Um, you know, I blame others. Um, you know, I, I, I think I'm better than you win, lose. All of those things work in the fixed mindset realm my opinion where growth mindset is a very different approach it's accepting people for who they are it's collaborating getting on with people recognizing people's strengths not playing to their weaknesses so much and you know actually everybody can develop and you know we are an open canvas that we can paint we are the michael and angelos of our own experience we can paint the picture how we want it and tell the story how we want it and i think growth mindset are those people that tell positive stories about themselves and what they're doing to influence and persuade and engage other people around them. And that requires an open type mindset. That's how I sort of you know, look yeah, at it. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. I, I think it also, would you add to that, you know, it's self-awareness, isn't it? Because when you, you know, to catch yourself, yeah. when you might be a little bit bruised by some feedback and you yeah. start to give yourself a negative thought, or hey, blame others. You know, yeah. just stop. You, know, you don't need to let that negative thought spiral. Yeah, and you know what, uh, Rebecca, just something that's come to my mind. You were talking about my book earlier, um, which is entitled, you know, You're More Than You Think, The Return to Your Authentic Self. Well, actually, you can look at growth mindset as really a return to the authentic self. We've all got that. You know, we just need to return to it. And that's the growth piece because it needs developing. It doesn't come out of the box, Rebecca. It needs developing. Whereas the fixed mindset is is more our acquired self. It's our conditioning, the things that hold us back, the things that make us a functioning human being that can walk, talk and chew gum all at the same time. But growth mindset takes that human spirit to a transformational level. It breaks through something to something different, which is where the kind of authentic self lives, if you like, into a slightly transformed, um, you know, more than just functional human being. Yeah, I really love the content of your book you. because you talk a lot about that, about consciousness and mm. you know, really inspiring ourselves to be the best that we can be. And I'm a big believer in that. It is the messages we give ourselves and it is that yeah. ambition and uh, vision that we have for ourselves. So 
I'd love to go into, Andrew, what mm. makes high-performing teams? Maybe you could share some examples of where you've helped businesses to be to have teams that are high-performing. What are the outcomes they might expect from that? What does a dysfunctional team look like? So let's imagine that we've got some business owners listening to this and they're not sure whether their team is a high-performing team or or not. What would be what would be the, what are the signs of a dysfunctional team? Perhaps we should start there. What what are those signs? What are the signs of a did you say of a dysfunctional team? A dysfunctional, yes. Okay. So um so I, I specialize in developing high performing teams. And um, you know, I, I think one of the key focuses here for high performing, I'll go back to, to dysfunctional in a moment, is look, everybody matters. And leadership is it's a team game, folks, you know, uh, and it yeah, leadership is also a lonely job, but it's also when you talk about in the in the context of high performance, it's about a team game. It's I to the power of we. One plus one doesn't equal two; it equals new. Um, and to build a team, there's got to be several mechanisms in place. You know, building trust, harnessing conflict, being able to understand what are the skills of collaboration rather than just winning and losing. You know, there's more to collaboration. And then it's about listening. It's about understanding. It's about seeking to really, you know, get other people's opinions, not just your own. You know, the the smart use of feedback. We talked about feedback earlier. And, and when I talk about f smart use of feedback, I'm not just talking about critical feedback because we, we we all know that one, and you know it hurts. <laughs> but but actually, there's another part of feedback which actually isn't really well talked about, in my opinion, which is praise based feedback where actually we take the moments to make people's day by praising them as well a, a job well done and if it's done genuinely it really does help people to perform well because you are praising them for what they're doing well um we've touched on this as well um i think high performing the you know, qualities of leadership and leading high performing teams is about developing that growth mindset rebecca you know um and that links really intrinsically to defining you know your own beliefs your own values your own behaviors and working as a team in terms of what are our team values behaviors what's our team charter you know, how do we work on that and using language appropriately you know um and not resorting to autopilot type belief systems limiting belief systems but but using positive language and um, language that 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 moves you forward not holds you back um and understanding what that language is and the power of how good language can really help a team have a team charter as i've said and plan creatively you know, um, spend time being creative those are some of my sort of qualities if you like of leading high performing teams and being part of a lead, uh, of a high performing team so so what do you do andrew and you 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 invited into a business and you're asked to help create a high-performing team. What what do you do? Could you could you give us some practical tips, perhaps that you could sure. share? Yeah, I can. And and actually, this comes back to your your initial question: is well, what? Let's start with a dysfunctional team. Mm. So so this is where I answer this one. Um, and I think it's interesting. You know, when you look at, at what I've just talked about, well, actually, a dysfunctional team is quite often the antithesis of those, the, the opposites. So where trust isn't built and you see that very quickly in teams that don't perform well low performing teams there is no trust because of various cultural factors so these are highly um linked to if you like that's the right word um to um, organizational culture or team culture um so you know th there's an intrinsic link between culture and 
dysfunction and function. And so if trust is a is a is a starting point and in conflict, you know, um, how do we handle conflict? And if you can't handle conflict well and you've got no idea about the kind of fundamentals of holding conflict as as in a space where it's healthy to tease it out and really understand what the problem is and what people's relationship to the problem is and stop jumping to solutions too quickly and really unpack the solution you know i think it was einstein that said look you know in an hour you know problem solving spend 50 minutes 55 minutes even on the problem and the, the solution will then drop out in the last five minutes in my experience that's absolutely true and we agonize too much in dysfunctional teams on jumping to solutions too quickly or even saying well that won't work you know and not being creative um so other aspects are not taking responsibility and you know um committing to goals and setting goals even you know those are some of the things that get in the way of of um of low performing teams however for me the 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 biggest aspect to low performance from my experience is you know are there any toxic people in your leadership team or, or in your intact team <clears throat> and um i've asked this many times i was working with a leadership team in the construction sector um, a few years ago and uh, we got the contract all signed up you know we're ready to start and it was a high performing team program where i was working with the executive team on high performance and um, we were just trying to agree a, a, a date and i said oh by the way look um before we go any further i just need to understand um you know, I, I, and i need you to answer this very honestly you know in your team have we got somebody that actually is uh you know has got traits of being a toxic person and you know we went to the definition of what well, what does that mean and you know, brings the team down um blames everybody else um you know the, the energy of the team doesn't seem right you know for some reason whenever that person's about said, well you know who have you been talking to andrew because uh, he was quite cagey at this point and uh it was like well look you know it's my job to figure this stuff out so yeah I, it's written all over your team you know so what's going on tell me and he said, well, there is this one person, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, this is the deal, right? This is a, this is a showstopper for me because um, we, we know we're, we're not going to go any further. It's a red flag that if you don't get that, you know, if you don't remove that person from your business um, before I will start working with you as a team, then, you know, we won't go any further because I tell you now, you won't be able to do a high performance at your level um with a toxic person in because you know, that person is probably not fit not the right person for your organization they might work very well elsewhere but within the fit of your organization this isn't working for you and he was like right oh this is a deal breaker <laughs> yeah and actually it turned out to be the right thing so it sounds it sounds hard doesn't it you know and that was a tough statement and and part of taking responsibility is also you know have those tough conversations don't don't you know don't dance around the handbags when it comes to this kind of stuff and i wasn't blunt with him um but you know i was truthful and um turned out that when we did start uh three, three two three months later that person had exited you know um some weeks before and we spent the whole of the first day of our team sessions together just washing out the 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 um the the poor effect that that person had on that team and there was relief in the team um palpable relief to to have you know that person exited from their midst it's that phrase andrew isn't it one yeah. bad apple spoils it for everybody yeah. and Spoil. it would have undermined all the work that you would have done so your work yeah. would have been wasted 
Yeah, and I just sort of short-circuited that. And I think this is the other thing. Look, you know, high performance and good leadership, in my opinion, is tackle the difficult questions, you know, um, face the brutal facts. You know, don't skirt around it. You know, I, I've worked with people that have said, well, the client wants this. Just give the client what they want. So the client might want that, but it's not really what they need. So there's a want and need here. You don't have to give the client what they want. You do need to tell them what they need. And if you've got the balls to do it, and they listen to you. Then finally, if they don't listen to you, they would have. There will be a, a, a. There will be a conversation later on to say, you know, well, you told us, Andrew, and um, you know, I, and I would say, yeah, I told you so, didn't I? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think it's important that we do. We you know we face those those brutal facts sometimes and get them out of the way. So truth is important. That's part of being authentic. Authentic is not just being nice. It's it's no, but it's not, not horrible all. either. It's just having yeah. the difficult conversation. Yeah. You know? Have yeah. the awkward conversation. Get it out of the way and do it well. Yeah. And I've been in a situation myself where I've had uh, a toxic person in the business and I know that I took too long to move that person out of the business. And the reason why I took too long, and you know what, so many of our podcast guests say this, that they learned that lesson the hard way as well, because they wanted to give that person the opportunity to change. Yeah, And they didn't change. Mm. And they probably didn't change because they had a closed mindset, so they couldn't see the need to change. Yeah, and you know, look, I, I, you know, this this is this might not be the conversation to have, you know, Machiavellian conversations and you know, narcissistic people and psychopaths and sociopaths, but they do exist, and they do exist in leadership teams. And you know, sometimes if people can't take responsibility for themselves and blame other people, then there may be something deep suited in that person, or it may be just quite simply that that person doesn't match the organisational yeah. values, and yeah. it's time to to move on that doesn't necessarily need to be a difficult conversation well it is a difficult conversation but it doesn't have to be a a nasty conversation it just needs to be look you know we're all grown up here this is leadership you know actually people get moved on all the time when their face no longer fits for whatever reason you know and it's good for both parties right it is yeah Yeah, might be a bit of hardship in the short term but long term it's absolutely the right thing to do yeah absolutely yeah. How often do you see, Andrew, a situation when, when you're working with teams to make them high performance, they've got their values very clearly set out, but their behaviours aren't aligned to their values? Is that something that you see on a regular basis? And how should companies address that? How should leaders address that? And yeah, sometimes the leaders can be the actual people that aren't living up to the values. Yeah. And for me, that, that you know, some of that work comes out in team charters you know values quite often just get written on on the wall don't they and you know yeah these sound like good and usually get the same things they honesty integrity inspiration those kind of things and you go okay so where's the word come from you know what what has made that to be you know a defining value for you or is it just something that someone in a leadership team has agreed and then just floats down the organization which unfortunately seems to be what seems to happen in my opinion we pay lip service to our values they go on the website but do we actually live by them um and and there's some interesting challenges there and and i I, i've got several exercises that i work with for instance to tease out you know what's happening in the culture and where do you want the culture to go to aspirationally and work from that basis to tease out what are the values that mean something to you in terms of your transition and transformation as a group of people rather than starting with a group of words that you think would look good you know and and would help us you know potentially with our business is actually start aspirationally and culturally and try to tie the two so that's one thing um and that takes there's a bit you know i I use spiral dynamics for that kind of work that you know you're looking at holistically at businesses 
and their growth trajectories and looking at different values that suit different types of companies at different um, at different stages of growth if you like so it's quite complicated um, but it's very very rewarding to do that it's quite you know it's quite new for a lot of people and they're, they're not used to talking at that sort of level um, but what I found is that when you do that you know working with one particular same company actually and the construction company we did some of this work in terms of values from a cultural aspiration point of view looking at different stages of evolution for them and they realized that the pitch that they were about to do to a big client was really poor you know and they were looking for budget from the main group as well and so they used the the conversational sorry the the kind of attitudinal words that were coming out of this exercise to reframe their pitch both for the budget and for their new client of which they won both because they'd modified their language to to if you like match the result that they wanted um and then then it comes down to simpler things in terms of well how do you make it stick you know these kind of words well actually turning a value or an aspiration into a behavior is is something that i find team charters are really useful for um you know is to actually explore okay you know what what if we didn't have this what behaviors would you see and those are the behaviors you don't want so what's in and what's out what's above the line acceptable and what's below the line not acceptable and simple exercises around what are the diff what are the behaviors that we want to see based on that core value uh, and then holding the team to that and i get them to sign their team charters and it works really well as a process what i'm fascinated to hear about andrew mm. is how they take that to the next stage and hold each other accountable to those okay values. brilliant question and thank you for reminding me um because i actually what this team did with theirs there's back to this leadership team a great example this actually um <laughs> They worked on their team charter for quite a few sessions and in fact i thought it was going to be done in one day and they wanted to work on it you know when we met again in three months time. So, oh, can we work on our team charter again because we're we, we really only just scratched the surface on that so we spent another day on it and then the two days that i had planned with them they wanted to spend the second day on their team charter as well so we kind of we kind of even though it was quite a surprise to me you know actually it was really useful to do that and we just hooked on another couple of days elsewhere to finish what we were doing because this was so so important to them and they spent days crafting this it was a beautiful picture by the time they finished with it but the key thing is what they did with it was they typed it up and they got it they got it produced on an ao piece of card okay and that card went with them in every meeting that they had yeah. they'd bring they'd bring the thing with them and when they were having a discussion or, and, and it turned into conflict or something happened that someone were going to go, hang on a minute, we've named that we wouldn't do that. It's number three. Look, that's what we said. <laughs> and they held each other to account in that way. And I thought it was a very mature way of doing it. And in, within a few months, they, they didn't need the uh, team chart anymore, but it, it remained on the wall, which was fascinating. Um, and that's a, such a brilliant example. And do you know mm. what? That can be used in so many different ways. I recommend companies to do that when they're mm. working with clients. Yeah. And have a charter in advance to work out what you're going to do when there's conflict. Yeah. If you're working together and it's a big opportunity, a big contract, there are going to be times when it doesn't work out and you've got to be grown up and have a plan ahead of how mm. you're going to cope with that and how you're going to deal with it in yeah. a rational, sensible way. 
Yeah, what are the rules when we stray into, you know, unreasonable conflict and we start misbehaving? You know, and there's a there there is, you know, there's there's the kind of unhealthy conflict which is no conflict at all. Then yeah. we've got the zone of conflict which is healthy but nobody likes it. And the reason they don't like it is because they're worried about taking the next step, which is when it becomes unreasonable, you know, when it becomes political game playing or it becomes um, nasty, spiteful, you know, um, it, it just horrible, actually. And it, people can get like that under pressure. And so, the, but there's this zone, isn't there, that, that is between the two, like I call it a buffer zone that allows mm -hmm. people to kind of stray over the line. And it's okay to a certain point. But then it's like that needs to be called out so that people can come back again and the apology is given and part of the behaviour process is we have a process that, you know, we, that when we stray over that line and we're into the buffer zone, then someone calls it out and that's how we work as a team. And, you know, I think that's a great way of conflict and also calling out those people that avoid or acquiesce or just roll over or just enjoy just spears at dawn. You know, all of those things aren't necessarily great for a team. Um, but sometimes we have to stand our ground and sometimes it's good just to roll over because it doesn't really it's not that important and we can yeah. afford to lose it on the basis of retaining the relationship so there's a lot of rules to conflict and they, they you know part of a high performing team is to really understand well more than rules they're more guidelines and principles but you know what are the principles that help us operate at a very high level and still maintain trust and relationship with each other and it so can be done it can be done absolutely and and how if somebody you know if a company a person's listening to this they've got a business and they think oh, that sounds really interesting andrew we'd like to have a chat with you about that mm. what what do your first step obviously a chat do you then do an assessment how do, how do you how would you progress that so um i have um on my website i have um I have quite a, 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 an extended page about well, how if you're interested in high performance, you know, how do you go about that? And you know, rather than just having a conversation, what I've put together is, um, you know, I've built this extraordinary high performance teamwork program that's available. It's online. You can do it in person or hybrid. It works all three of those, and it's made of a series of seven, eight steps, step-by-step -step learning units, stages that by design are built one after the other. And, and But it's also bespokeable around you know, different businesses have different needs and wants. And you know, so you, you know, it's not a fixed course, but it, but it has you know, sort of units which are important to teach um, and to work through. And together, Rebecca, they specifically teach how you unlock high performance teamwork that will develop you and your people to get over you know whatever holds each of you back as a team and how do you develop those sort of collaborative skills to help you as individuals your colleagues you as a team to move towards a bigger future you know being bigger people thinking bigger things dreaming bigger futures you know that help all play that bigger game if you like and that turn that radically open up your future business success, you know, and and that applies. The great thing is that you apply that in your business, but it, it doesn't stop there. It applies to your family, it applies to your friends, it applies to your children, you know, your parents. You know, it, this stuff goes everywhere with you because these are not just business skills; they're the life skills, if you like. So the combined cohesion of putting all those seven steps together, you know. Um, 
I think they're game changing, Becca, and they're world class. Um, and so, you know, there's a series of videos that go through that on my website. And you, we, we had some fun with these because we started with, we, we, I, I do karate, it's one of my hobbies, and I'm a third damn black belt. So, you know, we thought, well, we'll, we'll, we'll do them as a series of, of belts. So, white belt, yellow belt, orange belt, green belt, blue belt, brown belt, black belt. So, there's a series of a few videos there. They're really short, but they give you a flavor for. You know why? Why is it important to build trust? You know what are the components of of handling conflict? You know what are the key things about collaboration, etc. So that you get an idea of how this lot fits together. So you can have a you, it's a show and tell, if you like, rather than just here's a document. You know, um, and if people are inspired after that, then you know, yes, then's the time for consultation, and you know, book a free one hour consultation with me. You know to help you decide. You know if this developing high performance program can benefit in your leadership team and your organization Rebecca so that's my show type thank you there's a, mm. a huge amount of content now on your website mm. so that's pdx.com uh, it's uh, pdx-consulting.com yeah and you'll see it under team development and go and check it out um, there's I do leadership programs and you know, I actually do NLP for business programs particularly useful for sales teams etc really good stuff actually um, so all of these things help to develop high performance and communication skills and leadership skills in lots of different ways so yeah that's what I do thank you so let's just round up Andrew I mean, thank mm -hmm. you so much for your time and sharing your sure. perspectives and your experience let's round up with three key takeaways you okay. probably mentioned some of them already, um, but what would you wrap up with? Three key things. Okay, three that, key things. Yeah. yeah, that a business owner, business leader could do tomorrow in their business to help them create a high-performing team. Okay, so first of all, um, is calm down your ego, folks. <laughs> Generally in leadership, this gets in the way, you know, uh, 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 and so it's really important that we start when developing your high-performing team that you develop your ability for, you know, your your emotional quotient, you know, your soft skills, your self-awareness, as you mentioned earlier, impact on self, building relationships equals self-awareness of your soft skills. And you know, read deeply, folks. And so calming your ego down um, is is part of that journey. And it's not just it's a switch. You, you read about this stuff understand it some great books on emotional intelligence working with emotional intelligence some great books like seven habits of highly effective people great stuff to get you going read deeply about how do we calm down our ego so we get out of our own way so we can run a great leadership high performing team that's the first one the second one is develop a growth mindset i've mentioned this earlier um and that has the intention to you know this is about look life happens as me through me not because of me not because life happens to me. You know, a lot of people have that. You know, well, this happened to me. No, you are part of the cycle of life. You know, it happens with you. It happens because of you. It happens because it's you, not because it happens to you. Um, so that whole develop the growth mindset, massively important. And the third thing is, folks, give people your time. You know, be interested. Attend to when, when you come into contact with people in all walks of life, wherever you are, whether you're on a train or a plane or an automobile, you know, you might you might be one of those kind of grumpy people who just want to talk to people. Actually, make people's day. Be curious. Be interested in the people around you. Um, you know, build them up and, you know, help them. 
and make others feel special. Things like gratitude don't cost anything. And yes. Be graceful. Do something for them. Bless others around. There's a word we never use. Be generous. You know, yeah. this doesn't cost anything, folks. You know, make someone's day is so freaking easy, and yet we never do it. Um, or, or rarely. And and my encouragement is this is the one takeaway out of those three. You know, you start to make people's day, you start to become more self-aware of other people and yeah. what they need, you know, and then you become a better listener and, you know, your soft skills go up. So, you know, this stuff is powerful. Make someone's day. That's why. When you live your values, <clears throat> you do that. And I yeah. love that. I really love that. You know, just mm. as you say, it doesn't cost anything to do it. Free. It's free. It's, it's easy. It's grace and action. Never take out a big loan to do it. No. <laughs> you guarantee your mortgage to go and do it. Have you? It's just no. All you got to do is be bothered and be curious yeah. and be interested. And you know, when you start to be interested in someone, you know, talk about authenticity. You know, and one one thing that I, I'm particularly interested in doing is you know watching people light up. You know, and most people just don't see this stuff. You know, people's eyes brighten when you give them time. You know, when you reach deeply into them, you don't have to have the most intimate conversation to do this, folks. You know, literally just by recognizing someone, smiling at them, and just back and forthing, you see people's faces light up and their energy changes and their eyes sparkle, and you've made their day for a whole day and you've made a friend for life. You know, it doesn't take more than five minutes sometimes, you know. And sometimes it takes a lot longer, but you know, you, amazing what you can do in five minutes. And what do they say about first impressions? Well, they count. Yeah, they count, indeed. So, you know, yeah, I think that's that. Out of those three, you know, um, calm, calm your ego, develop your growth mindset, make people's day. Make people's day is the is the one thing we can do. Start practicing that. Get flipping good at it, and you will notice results really quickly. Well, let's all take it on ourselves, all our listeners. Maybe we can just take that on ourselves to go and do that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Just one thing that we commit to doing every single day to have time for other people and to make them smile. Yeah, man, it's not, you know, when you come back to the person that, you know, you're, you know, your partner with, actually make that day as well. You know, buy them a bunch of flowers or, you know, or whatever, or a bottle of beer or, a, you know. A bar of chocolate in my case. Bar of chocolate, yeah, for you, yeah. <laughs> Prosecco for my wife, you know, she'd be delighted with that. You know, I can make yeah. a day with a bunch of flowers and a Prosecco, you know, and, and uh, you know, us blokes need treating too. So, and there's lots of different ways of doing that. So, so there we are. <laughs> On that note, Andrew, it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Likewise. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your insights. Thank you. And your ideas for action. Thank you. I always love those, that we can go away and do something from, from your advice and experience. So thank you very much indeed. My pleasure. My pleasure indeed. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast. And as always, if you enjoyed it, we welcome a review. And if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us, you can do that at the rgen, rjen.co.uk website.